Hello and welcome to the Light from Light podcast. My name is Brother Thomas Therese. I'm a Dominican friar and a son of the English province. And I'm joined today by my good friend, as always, Dan. Uh, yeah, how are you doing, Dan? I'm well, thank you. Yeah, how are you, Brother Thomas? Yeah, I can't complain. Doing all right. Well, we're recording close to Pentecost, which is what today's episode uh, is about. Uh, maybe we should, I mean, I know you like to do your etymology thing about where words come from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the word Pentecost, where does it come from, Dan? Just just before we get into that, I was just going to say, like, this is a, a episode in a mini series. So it goes really well with the last two episodes that we've recorded on Gifts of the Holy Spirit and Fruits of the Holy Spirit. So if you have the opportunity to go back and listen to them, it sort of fits very well with what's happening mm. at Pentecost for us. Um, the first one was, was Gifts of the Holy Spirit, wasn't it? Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Then the next one was Fruits of the Holy Spirit. Um, and today we're doing Pentecost, which was the descent of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the descent of the Holy Spirit after Jesus ascends into heaven. That's right. Yeah. So we've had, we've had gifts and fruits and they're really what the Holy Spirit brings into our lives. But today we wanted to concentrate on what, the, what difference the Holy Spirit makes in the lives of the apostles, because this is really the the first uh, Pentecost in, in the church, the first descent of the Holy Spirit. And then we have our own descent of the Holy Spirit in the sacraments for baptism and confirmation. But yeah, we wanted to focus on that very first Pentecost for the apostles. So yeah, the etymology of the word, as you, as you like to uh, laugh at as I bring it up. But I think it's important because, you know, why do we have the, why do we still use this word Pentecost? You know, it's, it's, it's a Greek word originally. You know, why do we still use this? And it's because it, it, it comes from the, from the word 50. And in Pentecost first, uh, occurs 50 days after Easter Sunday. So this is why we still we keep the word. But it's also a, an older uh, feast, which goes back to the, the Jewish faith. So it has roots of the Jewish faith. And it would be known as the, the Feast of Weeks. So it occurred seven weeks after Passover uh, in the Jewish calendar. And it's a, a really important holy day for the Jewish people. Uh, they would gather together in Jerusalem for all different countries with different languages being spoken. And they would gather to give thanksgiving to God for the harvest, for the first fruits of the wheat harvest. Um, so yeah, that's the sort of context of what's, what's going to happen when the apostles uh, receive the Holy Spirit. So you have people from all different parts, um, all different parts of the world who have gathered in Jerusalem um, for this feast day. So lots of different languages being spoken there. So that's sort of the context. And then you have this, um, this amazing event that happens in the room where the apostles are gathered. Yeah, well, it, this comes in the, in the aftermath of the ascension. So Jesus ascends into heaven and he promises to send them the Holy Spirit. And they go back to Jerusalem after the ascension, singing God's praises, full of joy and preaching in the temple. Well, on the day of Pentecost, the 11 or, or, well, yeah, the 11 are all gathered in the upper room. So just in, well, actually it's the 12, because in between this, of course, in between the Ascension and Pentecost, you've had the election of Matthias. Um, so Matthias replaces Judas in the College of Apostles. So you have the 12 all gathered together uh, in the upper room. They commit themselves to prayer and it says also that they gathered with mary the mother of jesus uh, and his brethren so oh, so is is sort of is extended family and things then you have the uh yeah then you have the election of matthias 
And then you have the descent of the Holy Spirit uh, at Pentecost. And it says that they're all gathered together in one place. Uh, then they hear like a sound like a violent rushing wind and tongues of fire come to sit upon their heads, come to rest upon them. And then they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They go out full of joy, so much so that the people... Uh, think that they're drunk. And Peter says, you know, we're not drunk. It's only the third hour, which uh, uh, is nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, so, you know, he hasn't been to Weatherspoons. Uh, <laughs> he says, you know, we're not drunk. Uh, it's the third hour, nine o'clock in the morning. And then he starts to preach. And it says that Peter stood with the 11 and he preaches. And what does he preach? He preaches about Jesus of Nazareth, who was sent by God, who worked miracles and wonders and signs in their midst, and yet they still put him to death. And yet they still put him to death. But God vindicated Christ by raising him from the dead. And then he draws in all these different prophecies from the Old Testament explaining what has come to pass. Uh, so he talks about, a, there's a quote from the prophet Joel. Uh, I'm also reminded of Isaiah 52, 10. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Because you have lots of different people uh, around for the Feast of Shavuot. You have lots of people around there for, for, for Pentecost from many, many different places all over the place. And the apostles are given the gift of tongues. They're given the gift to speak in the various languages of the people to whom they're preaching and it says that everybody who was gathered there heard them in his or in his own language and they're shocked by that because they say hang on a second is, aren't these men galileans how can they speak my own native language you know how, how how are they doing this well it's a gift of the holy spirit and then you see a reversal then of what had happened at the tower of babel you know uh, the Tower of Babel, where you have people scattered and divided, um, speaking many different languages and all these various divisions and things. Well, now you see a, once again a great gathering and a gathering around the Twelve. But this gathering and this uh, unity that's being signified there is so that the people can go out and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth to then gather those those. Uh, those people together again you know around the lord uh those 12 pillars uh of of the apostles holding up the uh the the church of god they they scatter uh and the yeah they're bringing everybody uh well they're bringing god to everybody and they're bringing everybody to god uh so then yeah it's a fulfillment of isaiah 52:10 all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our god it's interesting you mention the prophet Joel. So Peter, when he preaches to the people, he quotes from the prophet Joel. And this, the quote, where it comes from, is, is early in the book of Joel. But slightly earlier than that, just a few sentences before this quote from, um, from Joel that Peter uses, uh, God promises through the prophet that he will gather the nations together. So it, it fits with what you're saying there about the prophet Isaiah. So God is God promises through the prophet Joel that he's going to gather the nations back together. And now this is what the Holy Spirit's doing through the preaching of the apostles. They go out to the world in order to bring the world, bring the nations back to God. And it's interesting that all these different languages, all these different nations, they can understand what the yeah. what Peter and the apostles are saying. 
and he, they can understand them in their own language, which is really, as you said, a reversal of what happens at Babel. Mm. These gifts, these gifts that they're given by the Holy Spirit are ordered towards the salvation and the good, not, not, not solely of themselves, but of others. It's to help others come to know and understand God and to bring them to faith, to gather them together uh, in, in the church. So that way that no matter where they are spread out through the, uh, throughout the world, made up of many different nations, they have uh, this understanding and realization that they have one true home in God himself, right? In, in the church. Yeah, you can see that with what Peter says. So when they ask, what, what shall we do? Peter says, be baptized into into the, into yeah. the life of God, into the church. So they're being gathered to, together into Christ's body. And these are people, again, from all over all over the place. Parthians, Medes, uh, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Figurium, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, uh, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, all of them hear hear them in their own languages. You know, it's interesting that Judea is not the first one mentioned, but is right in the middle of those list of names. I find that very, very interesting. Um, the, one would have thought that actually Judea, being the home of the Jewish people, would have been the first mentioned. Uh, and, and not only also, because that's where they are. They're in Judea. You know, they're from Judea. So it's interesting that that's not the first name mentioned and again this is part of that sort of that tendency to show that god is for everybody that the covenant the new covenant is for all and all are to be gathered together uh into that relationship um into that relationship with with jesus christ yeah in the holy spirit so this holy so the holy spirit then is given to gather the people together even though they may be spread out and from different nations and this echoes the book of revelation where you see um people from every tribe tongue people and nation in uh in heaven uh, what that's saying there is that you know no matter what nation no matter where you're from uh no matter what your culture is all of these things are, can be lifted up and redeemed by christ and there is a more, much more fundamental unity there is a, 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 a different land to which you all belong, the promised land of heaven. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned about preaching further afield than just Judea, just Jerusalem, just the, the chosen people, because at the start of Acts, so this is, so this, this event of Pentecost happens in chapter two of Acts, but at the start of Acts in the first chapter um, in, I, th I think it's around verse eight or nine, something like that, but Jesus promises that he will send the Holy Spirit and he says that you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So it's, so it's like three waves. And then you see, you see this actually in the rest of Acts as it plays out. You see the apostles, they preach locally, then they preach a bit further afield and then they go out to all the world and they preach uh, as, as far afield as they can go. So sort of... It, it, it fits in with what you're saying there. This is sort of the hint at Pentecost of what's going to come in the rest of the book. Mm. This ever expanding, this ever growing uh, circle of influence, I suppose, you know, drawing others to the Lord by the expanding 
uh, the expanding presence of, of, of the church. Such continuity with the Old Testament as well. Like, as Peter preaches, he quotes from Joel, he quotes from David. But this, this mission and this promise that God had to gather together all the world, really, to worship him, to come into this, mm. this one uh, communion, he has this, this promise uh, that he makes in the Old Testament, and then he's fulfilling that. So there is that continuity, that fulfillment in Christ. It's not a revocation of the past. God doesn't say, well, the Old Testament didn't work, so let's start something new. He, he, in the person of Christ, he brings the, the Old Testament to fulfillment. And that's what Peter's showing by, by quoting these Old Testament prophets and quoting David as well. Yeah, I mean, you have... Um... You have also various signs and things being wondered, uh, be, being done through the apostles, which again uh, convince people. So it says in in Acts two forty three, sort of onwards, all came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. I mean, and then it speaks a little bit about what the life of the early church was like. So they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all who uh, as had any need. Uh, day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. Uh, and day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. I, I mean, it reminds me actually also of, of one of those signs that we spoke about earlier about the tongues of fire coming to rest upon their head. The word there is the same root of the word for the gift of tongues that the that the the apostles are given. Um, just a, a verse or two later. So not so you have these tongues of flame that rest upon the heads of the of the uh, apostles, and then you have uh, the them going out and speaking in tongues. And the word there in Greek is is the same. Uh, or the or the root of the word there is the same. It's glossa glossa something. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the word off the top of my head, but it's it's the same word there. And I think that that's deliberate. You know, the 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 preaching that they have is a gift of the Holy Spirit. So their their preaching itself is something which is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this is why it's efficacious. You know, fundamentally, it's not their own message, it's God's message. And this is, you know, you see this also in, I think it's Paul's letter to the Romans, where he says, uh, is it Romans? No, I'm getting this wrong now. Um, where he said, you've accepted for, you've accepted this message for what it is, not some human message or human thinking, uh, but, but for what it really is, God's message. Yeah, I'm not sure where that is from. But I, I know that Paul says something in one of his letters, he says, um, some people say, I am for Paul, I am for Peter, I am for Cephas, but really we're all for Christ. And that, that's basically what he, he says in Corinthians. So, but it's a similar, a similar message there, isn't it? But we preach Christ. And that's what Peter's doing here is preaching Christ. He's not preaching his own message. He's showing the continuity of God's plan between the Old Testament and the New, and it's fulfilled in Christ. And he's calling for conversion to Christ. Yeah. Did, mm. did you find the reference? What one Thessalonians two thirteen, ah. uh, yeah. We thank God for you always. Um, uh, we continue to thank God for you because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, um, you accepted it for what it really is—not a human word, um, but the word of God, which is indeed working in you who believe, uh, or at work in you. So yeah, basically, I I think those those tongues of fire. Uh, uh, on the head sort of signify the fieriness of their preaching and how 
the love of God will spread throughout the world. The church will spread like wildfire uh, throughout throughout the world. Uh, salvation and the love of God will be, yeah, spreading through the world through their preaching. And this is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not due to their own personal great qualities or anything like that that's the thing you know when people think about becoming preachers or priests or something very often they'll say oh well you know i'm not articulate enough or i mean look at john john marie Vianney. i mean he's the patron saint of priests and he failed a lot of his exams uh, uh, a few times before he was eventually ordained um so yeah i mean and peter himself you know and the other and the other uh, apostles quite simple men in in many ways you know yeah, and, and I suppose it's just more than preaching with words. They preach with their whole lives. And that's what you see later in the chapter, in chapter 2 of Acts. You see that the life among the believers is not just preaching all the time, but it's also it's, it's service, it's praying together, it's um, study together, it's um, caring for those who are in need. But they, they do it with such zeal, they do it with such power. Uh, you know, earlier, earlier on uh, in Acts in chapter one, when Jesus promises the the Holy Spirit, it's very interesting. He says, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you." And I think I'm right in in saying this. Maybe you could have a look at the the Greek version while I say it, Brother Thomas. But the word power, I think, has the the same root for the word uh, dynamite. So yes, it does. Yeah, power and dynamite has the same root. Yeah. So the so, so there you have this this image of explosiveness. You know, when we think of dynamite, we think of something that is explosive. We think of something which normally has fire as well. Fire comes as a result of, of dynamite. Mm. And I think here with, with the preaching, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles, when you see it in Peter's preaching, he doesn't hold back. It is fiery, but it's fiery for the purpose of proclaiming Christ and bringing people to conversion. And of course it works. You know, 3,000 people are converted to, to Christ through this one event, through this one um, one preaching. <laughs> yeah, I mean the word that that, that is used there, and I think it's Acts one eight, isn't it? Uh, is dunamin, which is uh, ex yeah, you're right. I mean it's it's where we get it's cognate. Richard Answorth would say, Father Richard, he'd say uh, it's cognate with uh, the word that we use for dynamite. It has the same origin, the same so you're root. A Greek scholar. Yeah, he was the one who taught me Greek. Yeah. Ah, there we are. Yeah. Bruno also, uh, Father Bruno Clifton, um, he also taught me Greek. But uh, Richard, yeah, was was the teacher I had most most of the time. It's also interesting early there in, in Acts as well. I mean, it says "Alla um, dunamin." So, but you will you will receive power, um, having come having uh, the Holy Spirit having come upon you, um, and you will be for me witnesses now you will be my witnesses uh in in jerusalem in both yeah in jerusalem and or judea samaria and to the ends of the earth um eschatuf to the ends of the earth uh, the word there that's used for 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 witnesses is martyrs which is where we get the word martyr from and of course we know that uh the um the 12 in the acts of the apostles uh, obviously judas being being uh the the exception to the initial 12 but the uh, subsequent 12 including matthias will be martyred um i think actually maybe also with the exception of saint john 
yeah, I, I should know that better. So let's say John isn't. Yeah, John but is you will, in Martha. But you will be my Mark. you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the, to the, to the ends of the earth, uh, and that's exactly what they do. You know, they travel around and they uh, preach Jesus Christ. Uh, they preach the things of God, and their number grows and grows and grows and grows and the acts of the apostles you see actually a lot of their success stories even in spite of some persecution and disagreement and all sorts of things but that other sense of the of the word witnesses um martyrs uh also comes to pass of course uh with the exception of of uh saint john um they uh yeah they're all martyred and through their blood they then bear witness to the truth of their preaching because they say no this is really true and it's so true that i'm prepared to die for it to witness with my blood that what that i have spoken truly uh so peter of course is crucified in rome uh paul is beheaded uh in rome uh saint thomas is martyred in india uh, Bartholomew, I think, is flayed alive. He has a skin peeled off his of his body. James is also executed in Jerusalem. Um, John John is exiled. John is exiled to the Isle of Patmos, uh, which is a, a form of punishment. And I think he dies in exile. Um, so I suppose you can sort of say, in that sense, he's sort of he's martyred, though though not in the the, the traditional sense. But I suppose the, the point is, so they're witnesses to Christ in every moment of their life. So they, they're saying in every aspect of their life, I love Christ, I love Christ. And then when someone asks them to deny Christ, it's really denying they even know Christ or love him in that moment. And that's why they're put to death, because they don't want to, to say, no, I don't love Christ. So then, so they choose to love Christ over um, something lesser. Um, you, you know what's interesting? Uh, it, I don't know if you've heard this um, theory before, but there's, there's this theory that the the life of the apostles in in the book of Acts mirrors the life of Christ, uh, especially as we see it in Luke. Yes. So, yeah. so obviously Luke wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And in in both of them, then there's a sort of mirroring. So you, you have, for example, you have the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus at his baptism. And then you have the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Yeah. And then, you know, other other things that happen in the life of Christ happen in the yeah. life of the apostles. Particularly with people like Peter and Paul, right? Particularly Peter and Paul. I mean, the miracles that they work, for example, uh, parallel the miracles that Christ himself works. Also prophecies that, that Christ says, uh, you know, you will do this in my name, blah, blah, blah. That all comes to fruition in Acts. So you see then the fulfillment of a lot of the promises that Jesus makes in the Gospel of Luke in uh in the acts of the apostles yeah and you're absolutely spot on that i think it's it's a deliberate it's a deliberate parallel that we're invited to make by the author of luke and acts um yeah between jesus and in particular in particular peter and paul uh even the way that they're that they're brought to um trial and things like that you know um so yeah, you you do see these parallels, and I, I think that's a, is a deliberate parallel. The acts that they do, the things that they do, the sorts of miracles that they that they uh, perform, uh, yeah, parallel parallel miracles that you see by Christ in in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, and again, this is because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, do you know it would be fascinating if we had Father Richard Ellsworth or Father Bruno 
Clifton, is his name? Yeah, Father Bruno Clifton, yeah. It, you know, anyone like that, a biblical scholar who's able to explain the, the parallels between that and the links. Cause... Uh, I've got an essay on it, actually. So if you're interested, oh. I can... Uh... Yeah, I can, we can have I, an episode on it. <laughs> we can have an episode. Yeah, I was going to say I can't pull it up because actually I can't see where my laptop is. Um, but I wrote an essay. I, I wrote an essay on this. Yeah. Yeah, but I suppose it makes it. It does make sense that the the life of God would would surge through the apostles in this way that their their lives would mirror mm. that of of Christ because ultimately yeah. they're following Christ, aren't they? They're following Him, and the the response in the world around them is is similar to mm. how Christ was received. Uh, the apostles are received how Christ is received. I think we much. see this in, in, in our own life as well. You know, I, I've often sort of, when I speak about my vocation journey, I talk about, you know, the moment I had that's like Jonah or the moment when I was like Israel desiring to be a nation like other nations. And you do also see parallels um, from the life of Christ in your, in your, in your own life, you know, uh, laying down your life for people who um, aren't necessarily grateful for the great gift uh, of your laying down of your life. Uh, what greater love has a man than this and to lay down his life for his friends and things like that. And in our vocations, that's what we do. Those, uh, the, the, the spirit of those moments in Christ's life and throughout scripture are found also in our own, uh, in our own lives. Yeah, when you think of like parents laying down their life for children, sometimes the children maybe are not so appreciative, maybe later they're appreciative of what has happened, but yeah, very yeah. much parents laying down their yeah. lives as well. So you can find it in lots of different vocations. Um, I think we just uh, touch on in this part of the episode uh, what happens then for the for the church because the Holy Spirit um, is is very interesting. The role of the Holy Spirit in the church is very interesting. Uh, there's a quote here I found: "The Holy Spirit saves the church from being a museum of memories and gives it life from age to age." Because we're not just like a society that continues the memories of what happened with Jesus, what Jesus did, what he said, but we're actually a, we're an active uh, body of Christ. You know, we're, we're animated by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings us to life. So we, we don't stand still in that sense. You know, we're not just looking backwards. We're also looking forward to what Christ is accomplishing through his body and through each of us and through us as a, as a church um, together as, as that body. And you, you see this most especially, um, should see it with confirmation. I know we've mentioned confirmation a few times in the previous episodes, but the confirmation is where you receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit to strengthen your faith and to send you out into the world to preach, like, you know, like the apostles are preaching in that sense, to preach with, as part of the mission of the church, to continue that mission of Jesus within the church. So really it's a call to to all of us to be a part of this, to to preach with that zeal which Peter has in in the, in the book of Acts, and to preach as the with the zeal and love of Jesus, which others uh, preached with. And, and you have a, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at many times in your life. You know, you have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your baptism. You have you receive the Holy Spirit uh, when you also when you receive Holy Communion. It's not just the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, but you also receive the Holy Spirit, and your body's made a temple of the Holy Spirit. Also, then at confirmation, you receive a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And of course, when we sin, when we uh, when we uh, commit a mortal sin, a sin against charity we return to God and God returns to us in the sacrament of uh, confession. 
and the sacrament of penance. So then we go, we confess our sins, we receive absolution. But with that, we're also given the grace not to sin again. And this is because we receive a fresh uh, uh, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you know. So, yeah, and we see also in the lives of the in the lives of the apostles too. So we see, for uh, for example, in the Gospel of John, at the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus appears amongst them, breathes on them, and says, uh, "Receive the Holy Spirit. Whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained." And then Jesus ascends to heaven, and then you have this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is for them to go out to the ends of the earth uh, to preach the gospel for the salvation of souls. Um, so yeah, you receive the Holy Spirit in, in at different times in your life uh, for different for different uh, um, purposes that are all related to the salvation of souls and the love of God. Sometimes it can be a bit daunting. I, I know for myself I'm a bit daunted by uh, the call to go out and and preach the gospel to people around you know around me in my life where I am situated, but I suppose this is where the the example of the apostles is is hugely encouraging because you know, if you think of where they go from before the resurrection of Christ you know they're they're timid they're afraid they're hiding away then they have the resurrection of Christ and they're joyful they're full of joy and then the descent of the Holy Spirit at, at Pentecost sends them out and they're bold and courageous in proclaiming Christ and um, proclaiming that Christ has risen and I suppose that's that, that's a huge encouragement for for each of us you know we don't have to preach the gospel necessarily in the same way that Peter does uh, you know I'm not called uh, I'm not called to be a priest I'm not called to to be uh, to, to be like you brother Thomas you know as a religious and you know, whatever I'm called to in my life is, is going to look different to whatever you're called to. But I'm still called to preach the gospel where I am, where I where God has me right now in my life and where he's calling me to for the, for the rest of my Absolutely. life. Absolutely. And I would actually go further than that and say we need to see more. Uh, we need to see more lay people actively involved in preaching and in evangelizing. You know, it's not just the job of the religious it's not just the job of uh, the priests it's not just the job of the successors to the apostles the bishops although the bishops and priests and religious do have a special uh, mission to fulfill in terms of the preaching particularly the bishops the bishops in particular are responsible for teaching and handing on the deposit of faith but we all have our own particular role to play um, and the laity, I mean, if you look at, you know, YouTube and the various YouTube sort of apostolates that you that you find on there, people like Bishop uh, Barron and the Word on Fire initiatives. Um, but also, you know, there are there are plenty of other people trying to evangelize lay people trying to evangelize uh, through uh, the new media. For, also, for example, you and the podcast. Right. Uh, you're also a, a, a layman. Uh, I'm also a layman at the moment, uh, although I'm also a religious. Um, so, yeah, I mean, get more involved in preaching in various ways, in ways that um, in ways that you can do, you know. And if you're worried that you don't know enough or you think, oh, I'm not prepared enough, there are lots of courses you can find. There are lots of um, uh, answers to questions and things you can find, lots of books you, you can you can read. Um, I'd recommend like picking up yourself a copy of the Catechism of the Catholic Church because if you have some questions, it might help. Um, but also remember that you also preach through what you do. So 
often on this podcast, almost all the time on this podcast, we talk about the um, the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy, you know, and those things. I mean, I might talk about the Trinity and people might have an argument with me, you know, about the Trinity and find it tough to chew over and all the rest of it. But people can see the love of God working in you when you perform those corporal and spiritual works of mercy. So that can also be an effective way of preaching the gospel for the salvation of souls. But it's important that when we do these things, that we do them connected to the church because we're trying to draw people into Christ's mystical body in that way. So we should have more of these charitable initiatives very obviously in uh, our, our, or near to nearby our, our places of worship. This is why the parish hall was, is always such a great resource for things like soup kitchens, food banks, and those corporal works of mercy, and the church fantastic for those spiritual works of mercy, like praying for the dead and things like that. Um, also talks can happen in the parish hall um, and um, things like that. So yeah, think about sh how do I share my faith with others? I've received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I, I frequent the, the sacraments. I go to confession in the Eucharist and whatnot. Uh, how do I try to share my faith with others and listen to those other two previous episodes that we had on the holy spirit the gifts and the fruits and the the particular the episode on the fruits will help you to understand well in what way do i share and pass on the faith namely by displaying those fruits of the holy spirit with joy and patience and gentleness and and things like this so yeah go go and listen to those other two episodes if you haven't already uh like comment and uh subscribe and share the podcast and yeah i think we are we done <laughs> i just realized i was like wrapping up the episode before before we'd actually said that we were done yeah thank you for joining us for this episode we'll be back very soon with another episode god bless you god bless